Der Fußball ist zurück in der zweiten Liga. Rechte Neckfahne mit dem linken Fuß. Bringt den Ball auf den zweiten Pfosten. Tische! Tor! 1 zu 0 für den VfL Bochum. Da draußen ist der Ball frei. Und jetzt ist er drin. Jetzt ist er drin. Und hier ist Botzen, macht das Tor. Und er ist drin. Buchmann, Buchmann, Buchmann macht das zweite Tor. Da ist das Tor. Der zählt das 2 zu 2. Drist ist wieder da. Größer ist da. Für Rausch, der setzt an zur Flanke, da kommt der Ball, Tor, 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 We welcome you to another edition of the Spider Bundesliga podcast, your home for the best league in the world. That is the Spider Bundesliga. I'm your host, Matthew Karagic. What a weekend of football we had for you. Plenty of action, plenty of goals, plenty of surprises, and it was just a pretty typical weekend in the Spider Bundesliga. We will have a look at all that action from match day eight, as well as look at the final match day, match day nine, before the next international break. With Eva off this time, she is in Hanover, so she won't be on the podcast. We've brought in the next best thing. We may know him as the ex content creator slash social media guy for Bochum's English. He is not only one of the best shot stoppers. That I know of, and I've never seen him play. Bokken <laughs> fan, yeah, that's it. And he's uh, a Bolton fan. We all know him as Elliot. Elliot Turnbull, welcome back. How you doing? I'm very good, thank you. Happy to be back. Thanks for having me on. How are you? I'm good. It is a pleasure to have you back on. One of our favourites, and that's why we always bring you on when we have the chance. Let's get straight into it then. Match day eight, and we are going to start at the Alm. Armenia Bielefeld hosted Stuttgart. This game ended a goal to nil uh, with Hamadi Algadoui scoring in stoppage time to give the Swabians a one-goal lead. Some would say quite harshly. Um, a game that Armenia Bielefeld were very good in for the first 60 minutes and then Fabian Close was sent off for a second yellow. His first was for descent. The second was for an elbow on Pascal Stenzel. Um, but the real talking point in this game was the referee, uh, Timo Gerrick. I'm not saying it's easy. Elliot, to be a match official, but this referee, uh, for the occasion, considering both sides were undefeated, got it completely wrong. Yeah, I think, unfortunately, the referee may have ruined this one here. Um, Fabian Klaus, two incredibly soft yellow cards, and potentially, not saying it's all about the referee, but especially for the second, there's so little in that. And for close, I think six goals a season, a man who's red hot, so important the way that Armenia play. That red card changed the game. Stuttgart then came on, had the pressure and ultimately got the winner in the last nine minutes of the game. But I, I, I don't know about you, but there's no way that that was a red card. Maybe the referee changed for the occasion of the game, but probably good god good job that Eva isn't on because she'd be moaning about him a lot it was um it was pretty disgraceful uh both decisions but he was he was bad for both teams don't get me wrong he was bad for both teams but True. but that decision uh to send off the who was at the time the leading goal scorer in the league um it made a massive difference and even then armenia created a couple of chances but weren't yeah. able to you know it's a shame because it ruined. I fully it? understand the yellow card for dissent, 
that's fair enough. If you say certain things, it's in the rule books. You have to book it. But the second one, I think he's done it as the way he's jumped. The referees interpreted it that he's gone with his elbow. I really don't think he has. It's quite soft. He's a bigger person as well. Of course, um, a good few inches taller. The way you jump, he has, he has to get some ligation with his hands. So, I mean, I don't really understand what else he can do. And uh, obviously, Stuttgart and Valtas got them playing well they've bought into his philosophy brilliantly but especially them I don't think the win was as deserved um, some good saves from both goalkeepers but yeah potentially the red card is written this one unfortunately 100% we'll move on from that game and we'll move off to, to our in the Ost Derby Erzgebirge Auer hosted Dinamo Dresden and this was as good of a pasting as you'll ever see 4-1 uh, for our Dmitry Nazarov with a brace, Pascal Testrot. Um, also with a brace, Musukone opened the scoring in this game, and it was all Dirk Schuster's side. Um, that's two wins in three for Dirk Schuster since becoming the Erzgeberger Hour manager. Um, and for Pascal Testrot, Elliot, a much sweeter result for him. He scored a brace against his former club. Yeah, and what a performance from our brilliant atmosphere. I think 15,500 people in a sold-out stadium. Great to see this. I mean, this is why everyone loves to decide to Bundesliga duels like this. Um, but yeah, Dresden, just, I've never seen sloppy defending. Um, credit where it's due to our, but I, I, I don't know. Um, after such a good performance last week, I thought they'd kick on. Clearly not here. Um, I don't know about you, but I also think this one, not ruined by the referee, but there are quite a few contentious talking points. Yeah, it's kind of been the... Uh... Almost the theme of the season is the uh, some of the officiating and 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 managers haven't been uh, shy of um, talking about it and and Dresden were one of those sides uh, in the few of their press conferences uh, were not too pleased with some of the officiating in this game and um, they were denied of course a goal thanks to the video assistant referee when Musakone was judged to have fouled Martin Mantel do do you agree with that call or do you think it was a bit no no. I I don't I think I I think they got off really lightly there. Um, he's just jumping, challenging the goalkeeper. It's a, it's a bit awkward. There's a he's jumped high. There's a player underneath him. He's off balance. But uh, to be honest, I think there's minimal contact and the goalkeeper's got too much protection there. But then I guess if if we if you're going to have video analysis and it's gone to it and the referee's given it, he's clearly been briefed. He's a professional. I'm not. So in the eyes of law, it must be the right decision. But from a football fan, I, I, I just, I, I don't see how that's adding anything. Taking out goals like that, I think the keepers had too much protection there. He's made a mistake, and it's been punished. And then three-two could have been a completely different game, but uh, as it happened, our then got the next goal, three, uh, three-one, four-one, and kicked on. But I don't know. Do you? Uh, it, it's a tough one. I mean, the the goalkeeper in probably me and yourself would say uh, it's a foul, but. I do agree with you. There's not a lot of contact. And I understand that, you know, it's it's almost the protected space for a keeper. If they go up, you know, you can't... You can challenge, but you can't really touch them. Um, yeah. So, I, I guess it was the correct decision, but it did seem quite dubious and one that I don't really... Yeah. Yeah. And then very clever, very clever penalty as well. Um, mm. 26th minute. Um, Hockshire had won it, I believe. He was quite clever. He just got his body on the right side. But just watching him go down, it was incredibly easy. He just sort of dramatically flopped down. Not saying it's a dive because there was minimal contact, but 
again cleverly played there, but I don't know with with, with, with Dresden. I, I was expecting more, but I mean, I think our they're sat up in fourth or so, so incredible start to the season there. So it'd be interesting to see whether they can maintain it. Indeed, certainly a team we probably expected a bit more from was Hanover. Um, Wow, four goals to nil. They were destroyed. A team that had 77% possession and offered absolutely nothing going forward. Four goals for Nuremberg. Georg Margarita scoring a brace. Hanno Berens scoring his first goal of the season. And the relief on that man's face was palpable. Robin Huck has continued to be a really good signing from Hoffenheim. He scored as well. Uh, pretty simple efficiency from Nuremberg. Four shots on target, four goals, Elliot. And those are the things, as a striker, you would like to see. Oh, indeed. And that's the only stat that matters. You can talk about 77% possession. It's completely irrelevant if you do nothing with it. And they just they just liked the killer ball. Nuremberg were more than happy to sit back, let them play it around the back, but they didn't really penetrate any, any lines. Just so happy to have it. And, I mean, one embarrassing defeat at home. Got to say, four shots, I think, four goals. Ruthlessness going forward, which is what you need, but... Uh, for a club coming down with such high expectations, this isn't acceptable. The, the, the performance was shocking. Just, I, I, it's just you can't have that much of the ball in front of your own fans and not push forward. And to be honest, it didn't even look like scoring. Um, it was really uninspired. But again, credits into Nuremberg. They're three playing very, very well together. But it could be end of the road for Slomka. I mean, especially at the full-time whistle, the, the, the fans were not happy at all. Yeah, it's uh, we do have a question on that, and we will answer that later on. But um, there, there was some noise about this a few weeks ago, and, and then he got the win against Holstein Kiel, but you know, we all are in agreement. Um, that kind of a performance at home? I think that's what makes it worse, it is at home. The expectancy from the fans. Yeah, they have a massive massive game ahead of them um, against Dinamo Dresden, which they have to win. Um, well, But even relic, if, if you've come down or not, I mean, just looking at their form, they're even as, as bad as Fawafel. And I think they've won one in, in the last five, losing three as, as, as well. Negative atmosphere going around the place. I mean, if they're going to turn it around, you've got to think when they're going to make that managerial change. Sooner rather than later, we'll see. But I don't know. Potentially, Slomka deserves more than eight games this season. But if you're not winning, I don't know. I mean, obviously, Robin Dutt lost his job because it wasn't happening. We'll see. We will. Later on, anyway. <laughs> yeah, we will indeed. Uh, we'll take a quick break. And on the other side, we will start at the Continental Reader for our Group 2 games when Jan Regensborg hosted Hamburg. <laughs> Yes, and the first of our Group 2 games was Jan Regensborg and Hamburg. This game ended all square at two goals apiece. Sebastian Stolzer opening the scoring on 29 minutes. Although this was checked by VAR because Marco Grutner was offside, even though he was actually inside the goal. Um, Sebastian Nachreiner, uh unfortunately tapped into his own net on 72 minutes. And then three minutes later, Aaron Hunt gave Hamburg the lead. But unfortunately for Hamburg, it wasn't to be. Ten minutes later, Andreas Albers scoring to give Jan a share of the spoils. Character-building win for Jan Regensborg. And for the third time in a row, they've taken points away from Haasfeld. Um, Elliot, we know that Hamburg have been quite good this season. That's why they sit second on the table. But for some reason, the three games they've played against Jan in the past 
uh, 18 months, they just can't beat them. No, uh, that, that weirdly surprised me that they're their bogey team at the moment, but defend fairly compactly at home as well. You can sort of understand why. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, you've got to not feel for Hamburg, but sort of deja vu here. Um, having the lead and then being pegged back at the final minute. Thoroughly deserved point from you. I thought they played brilliantly. Um, draw was a fair result. It was a very tight game, closely contested in midfield. Um, but yeah, slight mistake from, from the goalkeeper, I thought. Fernandes came, I can't remember if it was the first or second goal um, for Jan. He came for a cross, didn't really get there, and then he's out of his goal. The yeah, goal came in from there. Um, but apart from that, fairly routine game. Good to see Hinters there too. Um, first time I've properly watched him in Hamburg colours. And it was a brilliant ball in which forced the own goal, um, I, th- I think, in the 17th minute or so. So that was good to see from that perspective. But if Hamburg are fully going to kick on, these are the games you need to be winning. Um, but again, credit to Jan. Thought they were brilliant and started fairly solidly. So again, another team. People questioned after losing the manager whether they would keep it up. But so far, so good. Taking on quite nicely. Yeah, Mercer Aselenbegovic has really kept the identity of, of the way that Jan liked to play. And uh, when you lose players like Al Gadoui and Adamian as well, who are key figureheads going forward, they have at times struggled to, to really curb that. A lot of the reliance being on Marco Grutner, who hasn't really hit the ground running early like he did um, last season, but he, he would mm. kick on middle of the season. But they've, they've been they've been serviceable. I think the goalkeeper situation was also an interesting one. Alexander Meyer, who was um, at Stuttgart coming to Jan, he was he's been serviceable. I think sometimes he gets himself into really awkward positions coming out for crosses, and on a few occasions in this game, he's come out completely misjudged the ball. And once you're aerial and, and you misjudged the ball, uh, if there is an opposition player in a great position, you've left the entire goal open. So that's something that, you know, he needs to tidy up. Um, mm. Elliot, as a goalkeeper, you know that, you know, judging the flight of the ball is A, important. Um, quite hard. <laughs> it, it is, it is, it is, especially when there's about seven or eight bodies around the area and you're trying to manoeuvre around. Bodies, I guess if, if you're new as well, overly keen to impress, overly... Slightly nervous first few games. It is if you make that decision too early, you make the shout and come out for it. If you've misjudged that, it's a really tricky thing to do. But um, I know from the defender's perspective, they're going to want a keeper who's calm, cool, makes the right decisions. But it, it is early days for Maya. But that is, I did notice that is definitely one thing he needs to pick up on. Um, but no, didn't lead to a goal like the one before, which wasn't even a, a, a glaring mistake. But mm. if you're going to get promoted, if you're one of the it's traditional and respected clubs in Germany. You need to go up. These are the games you've got to be winning. But fair play to Jan. I wonder if they'll keep it up. The bogey team. That we shall wait and see. We're off to Karlsruhe, the Wildpark Stadion, as they hosted Heidenheim. This game ended all square at a goal apiece. Philip Hoffman got his fifth goal of the campaign on 21 minutes. And then the almighty Mark Schnatterer, Heidenheim's very own. He getting a goal in 53 minutes, his first Swider Bundesliga goal of the season, to have a share of the points. This one was one of missed opportunities for Karlsruhe. They had 19 shots on goal and only managed the one. Uh, pretty much, it's a tale of the story in this one, Elliot. Uh, 
creating opportunities was one thing, but converting them was the other. Yeah, I mean, 19 shots on goal, that's, that's FIFA stats. Um, if you're batting your, your, your friend, but it's so, so, so wasteful. I didn't pick up the Aramba when Philip Hoffman signed for Carlsdor. You, you and Eva doubted him, laughed at the former Brent, Brentford player, but well. credit there. He's, he's, he's settled in very well. I know his goal scoring ratio wasn't good before the move, but he's, he's, uh, can I say his top scorer of five? Um, brilliant finish there although the keeper potentially should have done better in their post but one hit quite hard can't really do much there um but yeah just so 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 wasteful Heidenheim had more of the ball but didn't really do anything with it Kersi had the better chances 19 of those you really really should have converted more and they'll feel quite aggrieved not to take all three points here as well 100% and you look at a situation that they're in <clears throat> Heading into this one, three wins, a draw, three losses. And they would have seen a Heidenheim team that was in some decent form heading in as a, as a real opportunity. You get the opening goal and, you know, all is looking well. And, and it was sort of the manner that they just couldn't convert some of the chances they had. And they had some mm. really good chances. It was... Um, Brilliant goal from from Schnatter as well. 33-year-old captain... Obviously, been there for a very long time now. Knows how they play. Um, he's hit that from 25 yards out or so, and no saving that right in the bottom corner, which I'd say the best goal of the game day. Yeah, he was. He's brilliant. We love him. He's our guy. We do. He's um, good. Very good. <laughs> and from 33-year-old superstar to a much younger generation of players, St. Pauli, they hosted Sandhausen and they took a 2-0 win, and it was the young brigade who really led from the front. Finn Ole Becker, who is highly regarded by the St. Pauli fans, as well as Jos Luhukai, opened the scoring with an excellent goal in eight minutes. And then Victor Gjorkies, uh, the Swede, uh, who's on loan from Brighton and Hove Albion, opened his account uh, to give them a two-goal lead and all three points. And this was really another good game from uh, from St. Pauli uh, against the Sandhausen team that has grossly overachieved this season. Yeah, um... I, I, I agree with that. I don't think they've coped too well to losing Wooten's goals. I know we spoke fairly extensively about him last season, but he was such an integral way of how they play. And I think going forward, they didn't create too many chances, but they just looked toothless. Really didn't really trouble him and one too much. But no, great win, great atmosphere again. At the mentor, really, it was bouncing. Um, but yeah, first game, the Lonies started as well. Um, Victor Gurias from um, Brighton. He's looking like a nice little talent as well. He was quite tidy on the ball. Looks sharp. Very good finish as well. Um, and yeah, good to see one. Surprised to see Lukai still lurking around, but he's got them up in sick. Good win today. Um, so from that perspective, it's quite good, but I don't know personally. I mean, Formwise, he has actually turned it around completely there. He's, he's done a very good job against all odds, you could say. Um, I know at the start of the season, it was looking slightly down and out, especially end of last season when they went on that terrible run of form. But yeah, Sandhausen just really didn't bring enough to the game. Hebelman made a few good stops later on, but nothing out of this world that you wouldn't expect. So I don't know what your thoughts are, but I'm, I'm, I am surprised with Sandhausen in this regard. But again sitting in seventh considering their brilliant escape last year 
against the odds when they turned it around. But I don't think Nick fans could have too much to complain about. No, not at all. And I mean, it, it was, it was. I do agree with the assessment. I mean, they didn't really have the punch. They did have a couple of really good chances, as is Buhadus towards the end had probably the best of the chances. Um, but it was well saved by um, by Himmelman. Um, yeah, I think they they probably won't be too disappointed. They 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 played a Saint Pauli side who have injected a lot of young players. Leo Ostergaard, who's another of the um, the youngsters um, on loan from Brighton and Hove Albion. Matthew Penny uh, from Sheffield Wednesday. Um, Sebastian Olsen playing at right back, and and they've really got this good mix in particular um, in attacking midfield with Mats Molladeli and uh, Arayo Miichi. Uh, they've really got a good combination, and they actually had some really good combination play um, going forward, and and they're they're, they're travelling all right. I mean, we uh, we sometimes joke around about Yost the boss, but they aren't beaten in the last five games, and and they're sitting in sixth, and they're looking okay. I mean, um, they're, long... they're, they're they're looking good. It's yeah. just surprising that it's he's he's been able to turn it around, but credit. Yeah, well, it's, we're we're happy to admit when we're wrong, and sometimes. It happens. It happens. Quite often. Oh, <laughs> the man's got jokes. Uh, we'll take our final break of the uh, Match Day 8 review. On the other side, it'll be Greuterfurt and Holstein Kiel. The final three games of our Match Day 8 review brings us to Greuterfurt. As they hosted Holstein Kiel. And, well, this one wasn't close and the scoreline was duly correct. 3-0 for the visitors. Uh, Yanni Serra getting his first goal of the season, and then Makana Baku scoring an excellent second half brace to give Kiel a first win in some time and the first win for caretaker manager Oli Werner. Um, there's two things really at play here, Elliot. A, how disappointing Furt were after a really solid showing against Stuttgart, but how good, as well as how good the, th- the top three uh, in that 4 3 3 for Kiel were. They were brilliant. Yeah, I do like watching Kiel. You still see glimpses of uh, the Tim Walter philosophy and the way they play, which is quite like attacking quickly on the breaks. Some brilliant, brilliant going forward from Lee. Um, but yeah, I mean, after such an inspiring performance in Stuttgart, we were sort of sat there expecting more, but they were just sloppy, incredibly sloppy. Um, especially in front of the home supporters. The third goal would just epitomise the game. For me, um, playing out from a goal kick or so, uh, just defenders very there's a really sloppy under hit pass straight to the Kiel player scores there, and yeah, it was disappointing. Thorn fee three of Baku Sarah and Atanga really did work brilliantly for um, Kiel though. That is a very positive side for them, but I think first they they had their first shot in the 96th minute which was a header well over the crossbar. So that says a lot, to be honest. Um, but yeah, Kiel, poor start to the season from their perspective. But this is an important away win, hopefully something they can kick on from. Yeah, it was much needed too. And we, we talked um, on previous cod, uh, podcasts before, or more or less after when Schubert was given the axe, the need for them to go back to what they were good at, the, the, that Kiel DNA and... And it was something that we, you know, Oli Werner, of course, has been at the club for quite some time. He was the caretaker before Marcus Anfang came in. Um, so he's seen it all and he's brought, he's reinvigorated the squad. He's brought, you know, he hasn't got Lee playing as a, as a false nine and he has just kept it simplistic. He, know, you know, seems to understand the capabilities of the squad and, 
You know, it was a very good performance in Ferts and uh, one that they can build on. We, we saw uh, Baku in the cup and, uh, you know, myself and, and, and Johnny and, and the likes were, were very impressed with him. Um, he's been a quite a good signing for them. Mm, indeed. Um, started well. I think just as a trio, they work really well. Lots of runs in behind the lines and into play. They're quite fluid in the way they do it up front. He's done brilliantly and credit for that. He's an absolute gem for them to find. Quite good seeing a club that actually makes good signings, which pay off. <laughs> That's what you love to see. Uh, we'll move on from that game and we'll head to the Ruhrstadion as Bochum hosted Darmstadt. This game ended two goals apiece. On both occasions, Bochum had a lead through Silvery Ganvula, once from the spot, once in open play. Uh, but it was chopped down Emmanuel Horn. Uh, getting the first equaliser after conceding the penalty for handball, uh, and then Marcel Heller uh, as the substitute, uh, giving Darmstadt a share of the points. It's the second consecutive weeks that uh, Bochum have conceded a goal in the final 10 minutes, um, what could have been for them. But um, we'll talk on the positives for the first bit for, for um, Bochum. Silvery Ganvula uh, was signed, of course, uh, from Anderlecht, he was on loan last season. He has six goals this season, equal top with Fabian Kloss and uh, Wiesbaden's Manuel Schaeffler. Um, what, have, what have your thoughts been of him? Um, we, he's doubled his goal-scoring tally from last season. He hasn't been sent off, which is a positive. Um, what's your thoughts on him? I think I think he's been brilliant. Um, end of last year, he came into his own, really. Uh, but he's still young, very, very raw talent. But you can tell there the passion and work ethic that he puts in is brilliant. Um, ever since we signed him full-time from Handlecht, he's just gone from strength to strength. And, yeah, he's really stepped in and replaced um, Hinse. He's taken the, the, the spot there. Six goals in seven games. You can't can't question that, although a few of those have come from the, the spot. Um I've been delighted with him. Really, really nice bloke. Works hard, wants to improve, is doing so. It's just a shame that we can't hang on for a win. It's such a golden chance against a Darmstadt side who haven't started the season very well. They were there for the taking, especially at home, where I'm not saying the Ruhrstadion has been a fortress in any way, shape or form, but not I think, unbeaten there for a while now. Um Although all these are going to draws at the moment, but uh, since Dutt left, you are hoping that there's going to be a turnaround, a win to sort of lighten the mood. To, to be honest, it's been quite a depressing start to the season there, but it doesn't seem to come. Another mistake from the goalkeeper, which I know we'll touch on, but quite worrying times at Farfell. I'm not going to ring the panic alarms and say that we're doomed and glooms, but eight games in to be sat on I think five points is just not good enough for a club which I'm not saying they should be going up they should be expected to be going up but at least solid mid-table and to work on it that is where they belong but it could be a very long season yeah we we will touch on the goalkeeping situation uh, as part of the goalkeeping fraternity um GK Union yep that's what we love to hear and that's what we're about and and you know we we represent Although- we're not being very positive about the keepers today, which is against the union. It union is, need. but we it needs to be discussed because it has to be done. It it, it, ha- it, it does. We have to. We're ripping the bandaid on this one because uh, <laughs> we know what Manuel Riemann's about. We know that he is 
Some at his best, he is a very, very good Spider Bundesliga goalkeeper. At his worst, he is he's a barely passable Kreisliga goalkeeper. Um, he's not won any admirers this season, uh, and as we spoke off air, um, it seems that it might be over with him. There's been a lot of noise coming around. Um, would you like to see a change? Would you like to see Patrick Juris given the opportunity to play between the sticks? Um, yes, I would. It's 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 a it's a trick one. Obviously, he's he's played for Würzburger Kickers in the the Little League, but he's has has he got the capability to do it in this division? I guess there's no point signing him to replace Felix Donnersberg if you're not going to play him. Um, I guess it goes down to the manager. He's he's going to see what he's trading. Kill. I completely trust his judgment with the two goalkeepers, but. I mean, it's not the first mistake Riemann's made. He's he, he's he's, a, he's, a, he's an infuriating goalkeeper. Um, he'll make two, three incredible world-class saves, and then the next minute he'll let one trickle through his hands and legs, which happened here from the corner, head it in. It just seemed to just go through him, which shouldn't be done for, for, for a professional goalkeeper playing at, at the top of his game. But Oscar were very loudly singing Riemann out. At the end of the game, I think he was fairly quick to get out of the stadium. Uh, If anything goes wrong, he's always the the first person to run out of his goal and scream at everyone in a really public and blatant way, Um, always shouldering the blame to others. In certain cases, I think he needs to own up to these mistakes. He needs to be accountable and potentially spending some time on the bench giving Patrick Drews could be what he needs he he needs the competition but to know his place is threatened because as an ego and character goes I think it's fair to say that he's, he's got one um, three years ago was one of the best keepers in the, in, in, in the division but just, just hasn't kicked on and more mistakes than this than, than yeah I, I, I can fully understand why the fans want it but I guess that's now three draws on, on a row for Fowerfell. It's improving. The, the football's in, improving as well, but just eight games without a win, that's so overdue. And if we are going to get out of this mess, which, look at the table, it's more than easy, not easy, but feasible to do, going to have to start taking points soon. And that was such a golden opportunity for three. That it was. And, and one thing that needs to be worked on is their defending uh, from, uh, from, yes. from deliveries in wide places. Um, were you on the analysis? Yes, I was doing this game for for football bloody hell. It is out right now. Um, I'll, I'll share it on Twitter as well. Um, yeah. Absolutely. What were the main talking points? Well, it was amateurish at best from from a Bok- a Bokum point of view. Um, they're defending from wide places. The defending is non-existent. Great opportunities given. Two of the goals come from deliveries out wide. One was the set piece. The other, um, you know. I don't. I mean, you could have put a a bus between Gambao and um, and uh, and Heller uh, because there was so much space between them. Um, Gamvula was a big focus. We've touched on him, um, but we've seen, especially going forward from from um, Bochum, a less reliance on uh, on Danilo Suarez going forward. They've they've looked to to be a bit more balanced. You look at the the Bielefeld game; that forty nine percent of attacking came from his wing. Now that's it's a little bit less, and they're looking to integrate integrate Gumbau, of course, who's from uh, formerly of Celtic, um, in the Scottish Premier League. So 
it's becoming a bit more balanced. I won't give too much away because you should probably go read it. And you know, let's 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 be fair on that. Go read it. Go read it. Do it. Do it. You know you want to. Um, our last game, we will briefly touch on this. Uh, v Spun and Osnabrück. It's their first win. Vivian, two 0 winners. Uh, Nicholas Dumps and Manuel Schaeffler uh, on the score sheet. Six goals for Schaeffler. Um, uh, it's a much needed win. But more importantly, Elliot for Wiesbaden, it's their first clean sheet of the season. Yeah, not going to win games, leaking goals, and good to see them at home finally solidifying and getting all three points. But for Osnabrück were, were poor, no real chances, didn't really threaten. Um, but yeah, bad news for Farafell, seeing them get their first one of the season. Their only prior point was at the Royal Stadium when they dramatically drew. I think three all or so, mm. but no, um, they 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 deserve it. Play play well. It's a su- surprise of Os- Osnabrück too. Uh, ten points to make games. I wonder whether they can maintain that. So I remember before the season, I was really skeptical with their chances in the title league, but they seem to have settled fairly well. I think we all were, and and that Wiesbaden other point, they were three 0 up in that game, and they drew three also. I mean. Uh, they're no, they're no strangers to conceding goals. Twenty three, um, in their first seven. Of course, this was their first clean sheet. Um, we'll take the main break now for half time. Uh, in a few moments, we will begin our preview for match tonight, and we have a juicy game to kick us off. It is Osnabrück hosting Armenia Bielefeld. The final match day before the next international break is nearly upon us, and that means we have to do one thing. Preview all nine fixtures and get you all up to speed with what is happening. And our first game is at the Bremer Brooker. Osnabrück hosting Armenia Bielefeld. This is the last game uh, of match day nine on Monday night. Uh, for our UK and Ireland viewers, this game will be on BT Sport Live and BT Sport 3. Um, so it'll be certainly one of... One of interest and one that we highly recommend you see. This is a derby game. These are two sides who definitely do not like each other. They've met on 28 previous occasions. Five wins for Osnabrück, 10 for Bielefeld, 13 draws. And when they last met, which was back in the 2014-15 Dritterliga season, Armenia Bielefeld won four goals to nil. This game has plenty of importance in this part of the world. But more importantly is the out of Fabian Close. Uh, Elliot, if you were Uwe Neuhaus, what would you do? I wouldn't play him because he's he's suspended. Yeah, <laughs> you've not got me there. Um, I don't know. To be honest, you've got to try and reshuffle that without your main man. Got all their goals, everything goes through Klaus. Um So yeah, they could be slightly stuck there. Probably a change of formation away from home. You can get away with being slightly more defensive, but uh, yeah, initially, yeah, you look at this game. Obviously, they didn't win this game week against Stuttgart at home, but so unfortunate not to. And Do you know whether they're appealing the red card? I haven't heard anything. Um, it is only no. a one-matcher because it was a um, yeah. second yellow. So um, second yellow, yes. Okay, so I guess there's no hope of getting that overturned then. No. Um, I mean, yeah, because usually you'd look at this, you'd be like Bielefeld happily sitting in fourth, Osnabrück 14th. Uh, established fight and now Bielefeld they know what's going on Osnabrück new here you'd sort of say it's an easy away win but the close factor may may be vital here but I'd still back either side yeah me too uh, this is what I would do uh, 4-3-3 which was greatly successful 
uh, the second half of last season. Uh, if Cedric Brunner is fit, which we're expecting he will be, he can play at right back. Klaus can play as an attacking winger, which he was quite good at as well. Vogelsam will play centrally, and then yeah, Edmondson will play on the left. I think that's the best mix. Uh, even though Vogelsam is quite effective playing on the left, um, it's something he's going to have to play centrally. I don't really think they've got the depth up front. Maybe Suku could also play in that role as a le- at the left attacking mid. Um, mm. But that's what I would do. I think Bielefeld win this game. That being said, though, Osnabrück are very difficult to beat, and they've had some really, really good results at the Bremer Brooker. So um, it is one that we will certainly keep an eye on with a lot of interest. Uh, our next game is in Nuremberg. They host St. Pauli. This is 6 v 7th on the table. Uh, they've met on 32 occasions. 13 wins for the club. Uh, St. Pauli, 10 wins, 9 draws. They last met in the 2017-18 Spider Bundesliga season. That game ended all square at nil all. Uh, this is quite interesting. These are two teams that you know had tricky starts to the season, but they're both unbeaten in their previous five. Who do you think takes the points in this one? Um, I I I slate them a fair bit. I'm weirdly impressed with Lukai's form at the moment at Saint Pauli. I think obviously both teams unbeaten in the last five, but in that I think Saint Pauli they've won three. Um, Nuremberg um, the two so it is, it is really hard to compare the, the, the two sides for this one but yeah they just I mean, they're head to head Nuremberg just edge it but they've turned it around under Jostabos and they're playing well so I would go there but I think to be very boring this one does have draw written all over it just two evenly sided teams Nuremberg the home advantage but again very hard to tell. I'm giving very little insight here, but it will probably end in a draw. You're probably right. They're both very defensively minded and set up, especially Nuremberg, the way they play. And then you look at the possession stats, um, you know, they're, they're 12th and 13th respectively, both under 50, 46.4 for Nuremberg, 44.5 for St. Pauli. So someone's going to have to take the assertion. Um, and we saw with Nuremberg in particular, they really don't like to play with the ball. They like to sort of counter um, and literally hit you with that, you know, that sucker punch, which they did fantastically well um, away in Hanover. That's not going to really work against a team that is quite compact, and that's particularly the way that they play on the road, St. Pauli. Wouldn't be surprised mm. if Chris Conte gets a start. He's been quite prominent in a lot of their away fixtures. That just that added pace and. And and really, um, you know, a, a, a quite a promising young player that they've got coming through. Um, it it does seem like it will probably end up being a draw, but I wouldn't be surprised if St. Pauli win. The formers, you know, they're both unbeaten in five, but their three wins have been quite um, impressive. Whereas Nuremberg have been patchy at best. Um, they were coming off three consecutive draws. I mean, that's probably their best performance last week. So. Um, we will wait and see on them. Uh, our last Group 1 game is in Hamburg. Uh, they host Greuther Furt. This game is on Saturday. Uh, again, for the UK and Ireland viewers, this will be on BT Sport 3 and BT Sport Live. So that's a double hel- t- helping of Spider Bundesliga football in the UK. How good is that? And they've met on nine occasions, three wins for Hamburg, one win for Greuther Furt, and five draws. You have to go all the way back to 1964 in the DFB Pokal in the first round playoff. That was when they didn't have penalty shootouts. Uh, they played the first leg in Hamburg. That game ended 2-1. Um, 
Oh, not 2-1, it was 1-0. And then they played again, the replay, and it was a win for Greuther So it's been a long time between drinks. Um, I can't really see this one going that way. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if Hamburg win, especially at home. Uh, Elliot, would you agree? Yeah, uh, back Hamburg. I just I think it was that one there. Was that when Julian Green got sent off or something? Yes. And yes. then, yep. yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, I mean, I remember Furt were really unlucky not to get anything there. They were on top before the red card. But no, look at the form. Um, I mean, what a, what a duck to break if we're going back about 60-odd years. But my math isn't very good, but 1964, that's a very long time ago. Um, but yeah, I'd back House far. I hope they've looked better this season, um, less expectancy from the crowd. Uh, and yeah, I think they'll have too much here, so my money's on them. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think... Um... You know, they were okay in the draw against Regensburg. And we think we were both admiring their, their performance earlier on uh, was Jan. Um, yeah, they've been quite good at home, Hamburg. They've, um, you know, they will strangle sides. And we know what Furt have done on the road, especially against Stuttgart. They weren't afraid to, to be uh, aggressive tactically. They were they were high-pressing um, Stuttgart into a lot of mistakes and long balls and and um, that's something they'll be looking to do. I'm not sure they'll be able to achieve it with a, a whole lot of success, but you never know. I mean, tactically, we'll see what they bring to the table, but I think Hamburg will take the points in this one. We'll take our first break from our Match Day 9 preview. On the other side, we'll start in Dresden when they host Hanover. <laughs> Dresden and Hanover are the first game to kick us off in our Group 2 helpings. Uh, that game is on Saturday at 1pm local time. They've met on five previous occasions. Three wins for Hanover and two wins for Dinamo. Uh, they last met in the 2016-17 season. That was a 2-1 win for Hanover. Um, two sides coming off absolute belting defeats. Um, and the pressure certainly on Hanover with Mirko Slomka. Uh, can they garner a response in this one? Uh, a tricky one. Dresden's never an easy place to go. A very good atmosphere. Nice stadium. Fans, the 12th man, they're going to be on the back of you. Uh, I I think Hanover may struggle here, to be very honest. Um, with their win away at Kiel a few game weeks ago, we thought they were back on track. But obviously, losing at the weekend again, the pressure is massively on Slomka. Uh, this is, they could really be make or break. Um, but no, personally, I, I, it's, 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 a, it's a hard ground. It's a very hard ground. So my money will be on a home win or a draw. I don't know how, how you see it. No, I wouldn't be surprised if Dinamo win. Um, excuse me. They've been very lackluster Hanover, especially going forward. Even when you consider the quality they have up front with Toykert and Dukes and uh, and and the uh, uh, Henrik Vidant. Um, but for some strange reason, they just cannot get it. They're, they've got this weird mix in midfield of you know good, you know h- half decent players, but they for some reason don't gel. Um, it just doesn't work. I don't think what they've got works. And as a no. result, I think I think Slomka will probably bite the dust. But we'll talk about him in just a moment. Um, we'll move on from that game, and we'll move to the Mercedes-Benz Arena in Stuttgart as they host Vejen Wiesbaden. Uh, they've met only twice, and surprisingly, both in cup competitions in the DFB Pokal, and on both occasions, the result was a 2-1 win for Stuttgart. So this is the first time Wiesbaden have actually played in Stuttgart um, at the, the Mercedes-Benz Arena. Um, 
two sides who are at opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, you know, we know Wiesbaden have been pretty ordinary defensively. First clean sheet on the weekend, last weekend. Do you think they can bring that sort of defensive intensity uh, against a team that, you know, in Stuttgart, who have been a little bit underwhelming going forward? Uh, I don't know. It's first versus bottom. Not David versus Goliath, but there is a huge gap between the two clubs. Um, so, no, I'm fully expecting Stuttgart to win. I, yeah, going forward, not great, but I do like the work that was done there. They're playing fairly nice stuff, so my money is fully on them. Yeah, I would agree. I would expect this to be very cut and dry and um, business as usual uh, for Stuttgart. I do expect them to uh, take all three uh, points in this one. We'll go to Heidenheim. Uh, they host Bochum. Uh, on Sunday, this is a massive game. Oh, God. Understating how big this game is for Bochum. Uh, just to oh. at least take some momentum heading to the international break. Uh, they've met on 11 occasions. Five wins for Bochum, uh, four wins for Heidenheim, two draws. Last time they met, it was a 1-0 win for the visitors um, this time around. Big game, this one. For, uh, Very for, big game. For Bochum. Uh, can you see them taking something out of this game, or do you think Frank Schmidt's side will be too strong? I think Frank Schmidt's side will be too strong, to be very honest. Um, not playing well at the best of times at home, away is a completely different kettle of fish. Uh, yeah, away record is abysmal. I read a, can't remember the stat, but one, one of the, the worst in. Not necessarily Europe, but that definitely in in in, in Germany. Um, no, I think Heidenheim will win. Frank Schmidt's side play very nice stuff, especially at home. Nice little compact stadium. They're always on the back of you, and I I I really, if 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 we get a point there, it's a good result. Um, but you're right. Just looking at the table, you don't want that gap to be going. Even if it's in the relegation playoff, it shouldn't be in his position really. But yeah. I don't think we're doing any injustice bigging this game up quite a lot. Yeah, it's 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 a big one. It is a massive game for Bochum. There's no denying it. Um, I'll back Heidenheim to win in this one, but well aware that you know there there should be a hunger and desire from Bochum. I think the one thing that we I want to see is them to be a lot better, a lot tighter defensively. They they haven't been a unit, um, and they just need. A I wonder if Underfield he'll drop Ruben. Yeah. It will be interesting. That is a watch this space sort of um, thing. When Probably the won't. Uh, Dutt didn't either. So I mean, no. we, we both we're both aware, but we'll see if the noise around Manuel Riemann is big enough for Thomas Rice to make a change. We'll take our final break, and on the other side, we'll get through our group three games and your topic questions, as promised. Uh, don't go away. Our first group three game is in Kiel as they host Jan Regensburg, another one of our Sunday fixtures. They've met on 12 occasions, and this is a fixture that Holstein Kiel really, really enjoy. Uh, they have won seven of those 12 meetings, two wins for Jan and three draws. Um, this is quite an interesting game when you think about it. Um, <clears throat> two sides that have had, had really positive results, of course, Kiel uh, stumping win over Grotefurt and Regensburg's two-all draw with Hamburg. Um, you know, you look at Jan, though, um, it hasn't been historically good ground, the Holstein Stadion. They haven't won since 2013-14, back in the Dritte Liga. Um, 
this is a game of significant importance. Um, Elliot, do you think Jan could get something out of this? Um, uh, it'd, be, it'd, be, it'd be foolish to write them off. This is such a, if we're just going on the basis of form, incredibly tight game here. Um, but uh, to be honest, I think Kiel at home are a different kettle of fish. I know they've not started the season the way they'd like to, but I do like the way they played. They were brilliant over first, played some really nice football. So I would back the home side here, but both are going to be buoyed from results at the weekend. I just don't know whether they've got it. I don't know. It's again probably another draw. There are quite a few tight matchings this this game week. That's great. It's great. I think I think he'll win though. Um, I would hope that that Oli Werner doesn't change anything. That that team that starting eleven was probably the best they actually put out um, this season, and 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 I like the way that they that that front three worked together. They had, as you mentioned earlier on, great fluidity, and they they seemed to just know where they were meant to be. And, and I like the setup. I think they'll win um, <clears throat> comfortably, mm-hmm. and um, and I think they'll take that momentum into the break. And Oli Werner will strengthen his credentials as the uh, the the, uh, the number one candidate. We'll go to Sandhausen. As they host Erzgebirge Auer, uh, they've met on 16 occasions. Sandhausen four times the winners, Auer seven and five draws. The last time they met in Sandhausen, it was a 3-0 win for Auer. Can they make that happen again? Uh, this is a, another interesting fixture. Uh, not at least, we didn't expect to um, Erzgebirge Auer to be where they are, but a change in management has certainly brought a change in fortune. Dirk Schuster has done quite a decent job early on in his spell at Auer. Very decent job, yeah. I mean, and no one would have thought they'd be in fourth after eight games, but credit there. Um, yeah, again, Zandhausen going forward. I don't think they've replaced Wooten at all. Um, looking a bit lackluster. I I wouldn't be surprised if they were to drop back into the relegation drop later on this season. I don't think they've got enough quality, but. They proved me wrong last year. They'll probably prove me wrong again this year. Um, but no, I'd again another draw. Or if I'm going to side here, I would side for the visitors. They're buoyed with confidence. They're playing well, um, and yeah, I mean, fully don't expect. But I think I only lost one in the last five hour, one, two before the defeat against. Um, it was a, 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 against Hamburg, which is expected. So. Mm. We will see, but who do you back? Uh, I was going to back Auer as well, although there is a bit of a pattern with the last five matches. Uh, Sandhausen win, Auer win, a draw. Sandhausen win, Auer win. Uh, so maybe the draw is the linear uh, pattern. Um, but I think mm-hmm. Auer win, I really like the way they've played. And they've they've been surprisingly far more attacking than we probably expected under Dirk Schuster. Our mm. last game of match day nine is Darmstadt and Karlsruhe. This game is... Uh, one of interest, 22 meetings previously, Karlsruhe win on 13 occasions. They haven't met uh, since the 2014-15 Zweiter Bundesliga season. With that in mind, uh, th- this is quite an interesting game um, in terms of the, the historical you know, meetings. You look prior to that uh, win for Darmstadt, they hadn't beaten Karlsruhe for 34 years. Um, so it is quite interesting. Uh, they also play again in DFB Pokal in a few weeks' time. That game also in Darmstadt. Um, now, Elliot, Darmstadt have had a really tough run of it. 
Do you think that Demetrius Gramotzis can turn it around? Can he can he build some momentum going into the international break? Definitely, yeah. Uh, you just got to think of last year. They were brilliant. Um, he fully turned it around there, deservedly, and a lot of plaudits. Um, Gramotzis, obviously, former Farfell, brilliant job there. I think they just had a poor and a form, really. Uh, I know pre-season you expected Darmstadt to be doing a lot better than they are. So I just think it's a case of underperforming early on. Um, the bottom of the form table, mind, so things aren't going their way. But at home, to promoted opposition, they will expect to beat, I think, their fan base. I would fully expect a home win here. Um, great time to turn it around and let's see them do that. I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to back Karlsruhe. Uh, just that historic. Controversial. Yeah, well, someone has to do it. I mean, sometimes when it's needed. Um, mm. Yeah, I think I think they've they've really adjusted well to the Spider Bundesliga. They were a team that I think many of us had, had as the best promoted side from the Dritter Liga, and um, <clears throat> they play good football as much as Philip Hoffman continues uh, to make me eat my own words. Uh, he's been quite a decent signing for them. Uh, him and uh, Marvin Poirier up front has been a decent combination. They've got really good players across the board. Uh, Avanti Sek is also uh, a quite a, a solid midfielder. And they've got good goalkeeping as well. Uh, Benjamin Upoff, um, <clears throat> formerly of Stuttgart a few years, seasons ago, he's been quite serviceable for them. So I, I expect them to win and, and, and compound Darmstadt's misery a little bit more. We have two topic questions. We're going to try and quickly get through those. Uh, the first is from Ben J at Benjack94. Like, will getting rid of Slomka help Hanover, or is it a bigger problem than the manager? Elliot, what do you think? Um, uh, tricky question. Um, I think you could argue that sometimes this season Slomka's tactics haven't been brilliant. Um, but what I think we did say this when they relegated. There are quite a few problems at Hanover. Uh, just looking at the squad, lost quite a few big names. Not got. The same resources that a Stuttgart or even a Hamburg coming down have. So I think getting rid of Slonko will evoke a reaction. Obviously, it depends who you're going to replace him with, which manager you think Hanover could get. But I don't think it's all his fault, to be honest. Um, he deserves a few more games. We'll have to see how they get on this, this game week. But even if it isn't his problem and the problem probably is bigger than the manager for them to be sitting in 15th isn't acceptable so inevitably football so results run business if those results don't come I think 10 games in he will get the sack definitely um, but let's not forget it is it is still really early days I know they're sitting there on 8 points but they win a, they win a few games they're jumping up to 4th or so um, it's a really tight congested league as always Apart from Farfell, who again cut off, but we won't talk about that. Um, so no, I think I, I think it's a large problem, and Slomker isn't to, to blame. People joke about him, but he's a very experienced manager, knows what he's doing. I think he can turn it around. What do you think? Uh, I don't know. I don't think he can. I, I think I was I was more curious about the the initial decision to hire him, being that he hadn't been in manage, management for two and a half years and he was part of the uh, the Karlsruhe effort when they got relegated to the Dritter Liga um, it was a strange one I know he was part of one of their more um, better patches at the start of the uh, the decade where they were playing in Europe and it was all looking you know peaches and cream but um, 
I, it was a strange one from the get-go, and I don't think he was the right man. Um, I know it was nice from a nostalgia point of view, but the, but there's he's he's part of the problem. But there are much bigger problems around the club, and uh, and they've been well noted, of course, with Martin Kind and and his attempts to you know essentially buy the club and have complete control over it, and and the squad makeup is so weird. They just don't have pieces that fit together and. Um, you know, some of their players would have looked really good in the 2011 Bundesliga site, um, mm-hmm. but they quite clearly aren't up to par anymore, and 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 yet they continue to give those players games. So it's a strange one, but certainly one that you know isn't a quick fix and, and one that will take a lot of time. Our last question is from Daniel at Fallen Analysis. This is his first question uh, to the table. He's curious about the kill win. Um, did Schubert have it wrong? Is it new manager or luck? Was the squad underperforming? Um, Elliot, do you reckon it was any of those factors, or do you have a, another theory? Um, I think the squad was underperforming, but in the statement they released when they um, parted company with Schubert, they did say that after such an overhaul in the summer of the squad, it was always going to be difficult to get the cohesion immediately in the results on the pitch, but um, I, I know I do think he had it wrong. I don't know. There was a very, I mean, I've not you hear rumours that there were personnel problems as well. Um, there was a good Netflix documentary called uh, Trainer um, about managers, and it followed him at St. Pauli, and there were quite a few issues behind the scene. I don't know if anything's gone on there, but just on a purely results based. Um, Analysis eight points from eight games isn't good enough, so I think he's had it wrong there with his tactics. But with the turnaround in players that they've had, I don't think the fans should have expected more. I hate people to see, say, hate to see people lose their jobs, but in this case, it's, it's justified. Um, but again, I don't think a new manager would have done it that differently. It was always going to be difficult for Schubert, but. It's the, it's the game, isn't it? It's what you expect if you're not winning. I just didn't think it was the right fit initially when they, no. they announced him. It just didn't feel... He didn't have that that sort of DNA. Uh, it is going down a very different path to what they'd had in the past, so yeah. maybe no surprise there. Yeah, I think it was a strange appointment, and when he's been in situations where you can kind of tell it wasn't really going to work, his longevity is non-existent. So... Um, yeah, I think tactically he did get it wrong on, on multiple occasions, and he didn't really play to the strengths of the squad he had, um, and that made things a bit strange. It seems that you know Oliver has come in. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if they name a full-time manager after the international during the international break, but um, another win here would probably strengthen his candidacy to to be the guy um, as the cure manager. That's mm. all, that is all the time we have. That's a watch this space sort of thing. Uh, thank you for joining us. Big thank you for Elliot for coming back on the podcast. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure. We'll have you on again soon. Uh, we hope you enjoy the weekend's action. And until next time, it's goodbye. Goodbye.